As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Greetings, salutations, and of course, hello to all of my listeners, my Unlucky Lounge rats. Good to see you've walked back this way to the Unlucky Lounge for a brand new episode of Draft and Draft Friday Night Podcast Edition. My name is Corey, your limited lore master, denizen of this, the Unlucky Lounge, located in historic Montescrew Manor here in the Blind Eternities. And joining me as always is the tutu that's always there for you on turn Number two here in 2022. What a ring that is. His name is Borok, my bear buddy. Welcome to the new year. Indeed, it is a brand new year. Brand new you. Time for us to start anew. And we're doing that with style. Can't argue with you there. I think the style here today is from our phenomenal guest drafter. But before we dive into that... A few bits of housekeeping and upkeeping. As always, this show is brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. Check them out, BLEAV.com or wherever you download your audio goodness. Keep your midday blues away with Believe. And the show is primarily here because of all of you, the community, the gathering in Magic the Gathering. Thank you for tuning in. And if this is your first show, hello! We'd love to have you join us in the socials world. Find us on Twitch, TikTok, and Twitter, Draft and Draft Corey. You can find my personal Instagram, Corey Damone Enriquez. And if this show is giving you some joy, think about supporting us on Patreon. Patreon.com backslash Draft and Draft. Help us keep the lights on here in the Unlucky Lounge. Well, the Sorcerer's Broom is put back into the Conjurer's Closet. Let's do a quick update on the show as we have just turned the calendar page to a new year. Draft and Draft is back for the first episode since our holiday hiatus. We had a very busy time. Not only was it the holidays and outside of the Blind Eternities, we had a number of states we had to travel to in a very small amount of time during that holiday season. So episodes went away for just a bit alongside moving and taking over a brand new job outside of the bar here. So apologies for not having an episode as of recently, but the year is still looking strong for the Unlucky Lounge. And one thing I've really, really loved is having guests 
here on the show. Drafting with friends, that's what this show was created for in the first place. But I would love to know what you think out there with our programming. Do you like all of our guests? Is there somebody in particular that you would like to see? Would you want to be on the show? Find us on those socials, reach out, slide in our DMs, and let us know what you think about the current programming. Now, when it comes to our continuity episodes, we still have all intention to go on wacky adventures, Borak and I. Okay, if wacky is not strong enough of a word, how about delightfully eclectic? That'll do for now. But since the continuity episodes take quite a bit of editing time, I will say with the life changes and recent additions to my own workflow that those episodes will come out more sporadically than our Friday night podcast episodes where we'll draft together, cheers together, and have a good time while enjoying the lighter side of Limited. But I would love to know, again, what you think. Were there any episodes in the backlog that perhaps you really enjoyed? And if you are new to the show, I highly recommend checking out Animani Drafts, look at Corey and Borok's bogus yet excellent Zendikar adventure. There's a lot of good things out there in the archives. Take a look and enjoy, and let me know, again, what you think about all of the stuff coming out recently, and what are things that you'd love to see on the horizon. Kamigawa Neon Dynasty is on the way, and trust me, we will find ways to take advantage of this most excellent new set. I guess I just had an inspired Keanu Reeves moment. Well, that's all the upkeeping I have here at the top of show. Let's get back to the feature table area and welcome our fantastic guest for a Friday Night Podcast Draft. Oh, come on. That is the third sink in a row. How are you so good at cornhole, Anna? <laughs> I don't know. It just happens. I know. I, I just know where to throw it and get it uh, in. You get it in. <laughs> wow. Well, I maybe it's because Borok's on your team. I, Mr. Turtle, you really got to pick up your game here. Oh, I'm sorry, Corey. I'm just a bit distracted from my latest cube draft deck with Approach of the Second Sun. It's beautiful, Turtle. Talking about your latest control deck does not help out, Mr. Turtle. <laughs> Those control players, man. If I have to hear him tell me about one more good Armageddon story, I'm going to lose my business, Mr. Turtle. Focus on the cornhole. But the arena cube's almost gone. I need every second to admire my beauty, mm, Turtle. You know, Mr. Turtle, you can actually play that deck. It's been in your queue for the last two weeks. Mm, but the deck is perfect the way it is right now. It's perfection, and why mess with it? Mm, Borak, I just don't think he gets it, mm, Turtle. I think you're right. He's a magic boomer. You know, mm, I, I think that the two of you might need to help out the front of the bar. I don't know if anyone's over there, you know. I am not doing that, Bark, because I'm losing. I just think that someone needs to attend the bar. Am I wrong? Mm, okay, Corey. Come on, Borak. Why don't you come join me at the bar and you can look at my beautiful deck too. Anna, I, I gotta give it up to you. If your cornhole skills are half as good as your Magic the Gathering skills, we are in for a good Friday night podcast this week. Yeah. 
But it is my pleasure to introduce to all of my unlucky lounge rats, my listeners out there, uh, to the newest guests here in the Unlucky Loungeverse. Welcome to the show, Anna. Great to have you joining us here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. It, it was almost kind of random with me interacting with you first just on TikTok, if I recall. Yeah, you literally just like left a comment on my TikTok saying that you'd love to join in on a game sometime. And I, whenever someone messages me that at all, I just take it and run with it. Because I'm like, yeah, I always love playing with new people, even people I've never talked to before. Like, if you want to play a game with me, I love that so much. And I just took it and ran with it. And I, I think I messaged you as soon as I saw it. I was like, yes, let me get you on my stream. I would love to meet you. I love meeting new people and just play a game. And then I just had you on my stream and you're like, wait, I have a podcast. Let me have you on my podcast. And I'm like, oh, I love that. <laughs> so it just happened so quick, but I, I love it. I just, I love meeting new people that love to play magic. It's the spirit of the game. I mean, it really people is. coming together and also people with the shared interests. I, I know outside of the Unlucky Lounge, I just moved and I'm trying to create a new local friend circle just based off this game. And that's kind of where the show all came from. But speaking of where we came from with the game, I think that any good planeswalker has a great origin story. Tell us, where did you first find Magic the Gathering? So I have like heard of the game a lot. I was very intimidated by it growing up. Um, I did collect Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh cards when I was little um, and kind of played them. Um, but I didn't really learn magic until it was actually one of my exes taught me how to play. Um, and I got so into it. I immediately fell in love with the art and I fell in love with the story and all of these like fun people and characters. And it was, I just became so overwhelmed with it in like the best way. I was like, oh my God, I want to learn more about their, these stories and see more artwork. And oh my God, it it was just like love at first sight. <laughs> and now with that love in mind, I imagine that one of your, your love goals of the game is to someday play the X and thoroughly school him with your advanced knowledge now. Oh, uh, I know. I never want to see him again, but... Um... <laughs> <laughs> that is that is relatable from my point of view too. So I get you, but no, I don't need to prove anything about being good at magic to him. <laughs> just like thanks, but um, I'm just gonna hang. I'm just gonna play with other people. <laughs> but thanks so, for teaching me. Bye. <laughs> so channeling the spirit of the great Miss Ariana Grande, a thank you next. And yes, the great Queen Ariana Grande. Yes. Just like you, in fact, are what one might call a unicorn queen. <laughs> you seem to have a strong affinity for the singularly horned creatures known as unicorns. I have to know why unicorns. Well, so it took me quite a while to notice that there were any unicorns in magic. I don't think it was up until like maybe two years ago that I saw my first unicorn card. And I don't even remember the first one. I just like remembered like, oh, this is like, you know, a two one unicorn with nothing on it. Like it, I wouldn't play in a commander deck, but oh, it's a unicorn. That's pretty cool. Uh, and then after a while, I just started collecting them because I was like, well, if I'm not going to build a deck out of them, I will still want them in my binder. They're cute. Like they're magical creatures. I just love unicorns. 
And then Jumpstart came out and it had a legendary unicorn. And I was like, hold up. <laughs> I, is this gonna be the commander for the unicorn deck of my dreams? And then I started researching actually like what the unicorns in the magic universe were. And I was surprised that there were quite a few of them. And some of them have really good synergies with each other. And put together with like other non-unicorn cards, that deck just became so strong. And, you know, I just got a memory on Facebook a few days ago that it's been like exactly a year since I started building it. So just like, it's, it's absolutely crazy from like how it started to where it is now. I'm like so proud of this deck. Um, it was one of the first decks I've built, like probably by myself from start to finish and like going through all these random iterations. It's, it's very near and dear to my heart. And I really hope that we get more unicorn cards someday. I'm sure we will. The, the well does not dry up with a meal. And I oh, love no, that. No, no. And, and uh, one of my most resonant decks that I have to my name actually also came from a tribal commander in Jumpstart in Zerzoth. I love my Devil's deck. I don't know what it was about that product, but it truly was a lot of fun to dig into some of the space that they were able to design with in those mythic legendary creatures. So you saw a meal and you thought, wow, I got to make a commander deck out of this card. Was that your first entry into commander? No, so commander was actually how I learned how to play magic. So maybe like five, six years ago um, with like my ex's magic decks, um, I think it was like a CDC deck and it had to do with like the graveyard stuff. And I was like, wow, I love like graveyard decks. This is so much fun. Um, my first deck that I actually built not by myself was a Karlov the, of the Ghost Council. Oh. And then my second deck was Kalia of the Vest. Um, but those were like my only two commander decks and the only two decks I really played for like the first few years of me playing Magic. Um, which was a little unfortunate because I didn't really get to grow as much of a player in those years. Um, but I still kind of like understood it and I still really loved it. Um, but then, you know, in the past like year or two, once I actually learned how to build decks, I just like my knowledge of how to actually play magic grew like tenfold. So you're learning the game. You're starting to yeah. go for that moment. Cause I remember that moment when I was growing into my own Planeswalker spark of knowing the game versus knowing the game. Yeah. Yeah. Like I really liked the game, but now I really like understand, like I'm like more than ever. I really understand the game. So then in this time frame, since you started playing in 2017, was that right? Uh, yeah, in around 2017. I, I have to know what in your own heart was your greatest accomplishment playing the game thus far? What is that one thing that you're like, oh, I'll never forget that moment. Like maybe a card combination. Like I'll, I'll always remember putting Dawn Elemental on Pariah and feeling like a champ until it got terrored. And then you just learn something new about the game. But what, what was yours? Oh man, I mean, now that you say like a specific moment like that, I do remember like when COVID first happened um, and webcam commander was just starting out. It was like back before spell table was a thing, like we were playing over Facebook Messenger. Um, one night I was playing my Karlov deck and I think, what was that card? Like it's something gift of immortality where you like gain a bunch of life, but then you shuffle it back into your deck. 
Elixir of Immortality. Elixir of Immortality. I like doubled my life, shuffled the card back into my deck, and then I drew it off the top of my library, and it blew my mind. Correction, I believe that's, <laughs> be I believe that's Beacon of Immortality. That we, oh, Beacon of Immortality. <laughs> we just stated yeah, yeah, yeah. three separate cards, all of which are of Immortality. You know, Magic, I love your creativity, <laughs> but sometimes your naming conventions are very on the nose. It's and confusing. Very <laughs> so, but yeah, that was a crazy moment I'll never forget. A card like that, that kind of moment in game, so much fun. But was there maybe another accomplishment that really has stuck with you? Is maybe something on TikTok or maybe on a different social media? Yeah, so actually this year, um, well, not this year, but last summer within the year, uh, I started streaming Magic the Gathering and that was a pretty huge moment. Um, my current partner is absolutely amazing. And, you know, I've really wanted to stream for a long time and they, you know, they went out, they bought me a mic, they got me a light, they really helped me figure out how to do it so I could just start doing it. Cause I've wanted to do it for a while. I've been watching a lot of people and it just seemed like so much fun. Um, but I wasn't really taking those first steps and they really like helped me get to that spot where it's like, you know, you just gotta start right away. Like, don't, don't wait any longer. Like you gotta just start. And then, you know, every stream you, you do something better, you tweak something better, you learn something new, like you just gotta start. And like, since then it's just, it's just been fantastic. Like I absolutely love streaming and all the people that I've met are just so fantastic. And I learn something new about it every day. And I, I'm just like super thankful because I don't think I would have like, I really don't think I would have like found that strength to just like start it on my own. And uh, what, I, what I really took away from that, which I think is such a valuable lesson is as people, often us living in the Western culture, we feel like we have to make the best of what we could possibly do before it can come out there. But just yeah. starting is a brave step unto itself. And I, I can I can see from watching multiple streams of yours, every single time you get out there, things get not only just a little bit better, but just have that quality of you just being you. And I love that yeah. that is what infuses the truth of what you create. Yeah. So we talked a lot about the past, but I want to talk about the future before we jump into our draft here. First, I want to know, what are you most looking forward to in 2022? There's a lot of great things out there. There's Kamigawa coming very soon, Streets oh of Nukapena, two sets in Dominaria, plus another D&D set. There's so much in the world of magic. What are you most excited for in even... the next year? I can't even think about the sets after Neon Dynasty right now because I already have a ninja deck. Like I already, like, I've, it's probably been done for like a week or so, but I made a my first CEDH deck with the new ninja commander. I don't want to like totally like mess up his name. So I don't even like want to try to pronounce it. I think it's a, Sartora they, Umazawa? Yes, that one. It gives every creature in your hand nujutsu, nujutsu. Mm. And so I was playing around with building it and the more I built it, the meaner it was. And so I was like, I'll just make a really like really tough competitive CEDH deck with it. 
and mm -hmm. it's born and I just I have most of the cards for it so now I'm just waiting around for the last one which is the commander and I'm already so excited I want to see all the pink cards I want all the neon cards like oh my god I oh my god <laughs> I'm quite excited for it amazing. yeah the, col the colors like scheme is beautiful and the Kamigawa set has always been so top-down design and it'll be really nice to return to a plane that because was kind of there when I started. So it'll be really cool to get back to that world. Uh, but I always like to kind of end this question, just kind of let's get pie in the sky, shall we? So yeah. Magic the Gathering is now venturing into non-related IPs, intellectual properties. We see right now that we're getting a Lord of the Rings set, Warhammer 40K. We've already ventured into things like Stranger Things and Dungeons and Dragons. And Honestly, the possibilities are limitless. And I love to revel in things that we love together. So if you could choose any movie or TV show, maybe even a book, what content would you love to see as future magic cards down the line? That is a wonderful question, but that's so hard because right now, the show that I'm binge watching is The Walking Dead, which is hilarious because that was like the first one that they did. And I was always so scared of horror. And I always thought Stranger Things was also really scary. Um, but again, my partner was like, you know, you just, just watch one. And like, if you don't like it, you don't like it. And after that first episode of The Walking Dead, I was like, oh my God, put on episode two. Like we gotta keep watching. And <laughs> I just fell in love with it. <laughs> so we're currently binge watching that one. I think I made it all the way up to like season 10 and it's only been like a month or so. Wow. It's absurd. Um, but in, in terms of like, I would choose maybe like a cartoon. Uh, there's one show in particular called Star vs. the Forces of Evil. Star vs. the Forces the of Force Evil. The Forces of Evil. Yeah. I like that a lot. Maybe we'll see some Star vs. the Forces of Evil. If I'm going to pick a cartoon as well, I'm gonna go with the Avatar verse. I'd love to see oh, either Korra yeah. or Aang, Katara, yes. like Zuko. I would love to see that or whole. Alpha, right? Oh my gosh! Yeah, could could you imagine? I think that'd be really great. But that'd be so wonderful. Oh, it it truly would be. But you know what also is going to be wonderful? This what? draft that we're about to do, friends. Oh yes. It's been a bit of a break here in the Unlucky Lounge, but we are gonna get a chance to do a cube draft here during this cube season. I'm so excited for it. Anna, I, I, I talked to you a little bit before the show, but how familiar are you with the format of draft? I know you mentioned your very strong passion and affinity for Commander, but have you done a lot of drafting or sealed or limited? So I have, I try to do like every pre-release I can. So I've done a lot of sealed. Um, I would not say I'm the best limited player. Like I understand like what I'm doing, but in the moment, I'm not the best person at really recognizing the best cards, I would say. The good news with this one is all the cards are bangers. We just have to find our way into a pretty <laughs> cool deck because we're going to see a lot of different cards from all throughout Magic's most recent arena history. And it should be a, a really great fun time, but before we dip into this draft, we have ourselves a little tradition here. All of my Lucky Lounge rats, grab a drink, grab a snack, maybe even crack a pack. Let's celebrate all the great that you are. Friends, this is the untapped step, and I don't think I've ever seen someone 
dance during the untapped step before like you have, Anna. So this is a I'm big just, cheers like, to you. So I'm just so ready for a glass of wine. I have ah. tomorrow off, like it's my Friday. Well, <laughs> I'll tell you what, Borak brews the Eldrazi elderberry wine like nobody out there. So you'll enjoy that glass, I promise you wow, that. Wow, that sounds delicious. Just wait till you try. And it looks like as our cheers is happening, the draft's already queued and ready to go. So let's dip here into our pick one, pack one of this draft. So the strongest cards I'm seeing right now when I like to start off in my cube are lands, really. And unfortunately, we have no lands here in the pack to speak of. There are some fun cards, though. A lot of strong blue cards. Um, all ruined, which I can see us tabling often because it's not that strong here in what we have going on. Uh, this card's quite fun. Discover the formula for blue, blue. It's one of the alchemy nonsense cards. Instant. You seek or get three random cards from your deck, and then every card in your hand costs one less perpetually. That's pretty fun. You can always go for cheap removal in Blood Chief's Thirst, Lightning Strike, Feed the Swarm, or a little bit of acceleration in Cold Steel Heart. Two colorless for a snow artifact, enters battlefield tapped, you name it color, and it adds one mana of the chosen color. A very flexible pick that can help us branch into different colors. Seeing what's in this pack right now, Anna, what speaks to you? Uh, I really want to go for like Cathar's Crusade just because that's like one of the enchantments in my unicorn deck. <laughs> like the second I saw that, and it could get so gross because it's every time a creature comes in. Mm. It, a couple token producers getting multiple triggers off it. And, you know, unless your opponent has specifically a Wrath, that could be really good. And the good news is we're also setting no white singles as it is the only white card in this pack. And hey, there's a lot of control decks in this uh, whole best of one queue. Maybe an aggro white deck might be what could work out well for us as we go to pick two of pack one. Look at that. Yeah, well, there's three wow. pretty good mono white cards here. We've got Angel of Sanctions, three white white, or three for flying angel. It has the O-ring effect on a creature and then can embalm for six and also remove a creature. There's also Restoration Angel. There's a lot of good end of the battlefield effects in this cube. Wow. The three, four flash flying angel that uh, flickers a non-angel. But of course, probably the biggest darling of Modern Horizons 2, Esper Sentinel is also in this pack. The one, one for one white that whenever opponent casts their first non-creature spell, they tr you draw a card unless they pay X, where X is the power of Esper Sentinel. Three good white cards, Anna, where are you at? Oh my gosh, like my heart wants the angel, but I don't know if my brain wants the Esper Sentinel. That's such a tough choice. My mind's telling me no, but my body is telling me yeah, yeah, yeah. We, right, the good news is we can choose either. This is our draft. Do you want to go with the Restoration Angel over the Sentinel? I want to go with the Angel. I have watched another person draft and say that the Esper sometimes wheels, so maybe we could hope for that. An excellent point. Maybe no one else will be in what we're trying to do here and we can get some good value off of it. Pick three, pack one. White cards are relatively flush right now. Heliod Sun Crowned is in this pack, which can lead to a very strong deck. There is also, for the aggro route, two solid aggressive creatures. One being Dauntless Bodyguard, the 2-1 for one white that goes onto a creature, then you can sack it and make that creature indestructible. And Adanto Vanguard, the 1-1 for one to white. When it attacks, it gets plus two plus zero, and you can pay for life and make it indestructible. We also have some removal and Banishing Light. I don't I know, Anna. I say, that's a removal. It is a removal, that is true. I, I could see us going with any of these cards reasonably. What are you yeah, feeling right now? The, oh, there's also the Hippo, oh my God. Ooh, Karuga the Macro Sage. Uh, 
Like, we shouldn't, but oh man. So I'm between Helioid and the removal. They're both three drops. Ooh. Well, I say let's, you mentioned that removal before, and I think let's go with that since you brought it up. And having some ubiquitous removal isn't a bad thing. As we go it's to pick four thing. of pack one, and now oh, more comes, what removal? So there, there is a Vanquish the Horde, which is the Blasphemous Act variant in white. Uh, but may I interest you as your person that you saw stream before, they talked about Restoration Angel being quite strong. There's a facet Deep Dwelling in this pack. It's the 6-5, three and a blue god that's indestructible and end of oh. turn, you get to blink something. So I if we can find a few. If that we could find a few end of the battlefield effects, we got ourselves a deck brewing here. Yeah, let's do it. Let's get Thassa. I will say, in the stream during the decathlon, a deck that was similar to this did get us a trophy. So maybe we can repeat some of that magic. We should hot mark finding some pretty solid ETB effects if we can. Uh, but let's go into pick five of pack one. Uh, in this pack, we're not seeing too much in the world of end of the battlefield effects for what we've got brewing. For white cards, there's a history of Benalia that makes some knights. There is a faithful white disciple. Is wide open. It seems pretty good. And the the question is, what do we want to do with our white here? I would say if we want to go with white, we can lean a little bit more aggressive. So taking a card like the Faithful Disciple, the 2 2 Vigilant, or one white when it dies, you get a random card from its spell book. You could go Isamaro, but we could probably table that. But also, Selfless Savior, the 1 1 white puppo for one white that can sack and give a creature indestructible is quite good too. What does the saga do again? Does that create tokens? Yeah, it makes some tutus, which does work well with that Cathar's Crusade. Yeah. Hmm. I feel like the smart decision would be to get selfless savior. It probably that would be. Some protection. It probably would be, but we're going to have some fun and take the history of Benalia. As I, you you okay. called it out. We'll find some ways to get some cheap interaction here, hopefully soon, as we go to pick six. I do More love me white, some Bastry's yeah. Lieutenant. Yeah, this card seems really good. It's the three, four, four, three and a white, vigilant, pro multicolor, puts a counter on a creature. When a creature with a counter dies, you make a two, two. That's some good wrath protection in a mono white deck there. There is a monotide as well. There's a Priest of Felrites if we want to go away from Thassa, which can bring back up to two creatures, which does pretty good. I'm kind of leaning towards either Bastion's Lieutenant for some nice uh, enter the battlefield effect or trying to maybe hedge our bets and go to another color too. Oh man, let's do the Bastion's Lieutenant. Not a bad choice. And I do like that we can kind of start to put ourselves into plus one, plus one counters, which white does quite well and pairs nicely with some green cards too. Going into pick seven of pack one, there is not too much in the world of white. There's an Amarius call, which is fine. We also see uh, a Scattered Groves, which is the white green land, can help us out with fixing and potentially find some aggressive green cards and have Ooh, a nice I color like splash. That. There's also yeah. a Perilous Mirror, which is an okay kind of replacement level two drop a one one for two colorless and when it dies, it deals two damage to any targets. I'm kind of going I think a, a Marius should, Call. Please. I think we should get the land because Marius Call seems really expensive and that could just be sitting in our hand all game. I do like the, the two color land there because it can potentially get us into getting cards like Rishkar or other kinds of very strong cards that we can leverage into. Uh, pick eight. Yeah. Right now we're kind of light on two drops. So a card like 
either Guardian Idol, which can ramp us and still be a 2-2, or Cathar Commando, the 3-1 flasher that can destroy an artifact or enchantment. Either seems pretty well, that's good to underrated. me. There's also a Return of the Wild Speaker. I kind of want to lean towards some two drops just to be a little bit safer on our curve right now. The question is, do yeah. we want ramp or do we want aggressive cards? I kind of want to go aggressive. Now let's go aggressive. Cathar's Commando, I, I saw someone post online about how it's underrated, so. <laughs> well, let's we rate it properly and go into <laughs> pick nine. Uh, as a lot of blue cards in our pack wield, which includes the all runed. Wow. Baral's Expertise, Ooh, which wow. I found to be useful, and one of my favorites, Commit to Memory. Really good instant speed interactive card. I kind of want to go with an all rune because it's a two drop and a five drop and can be aggressive. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it indeed. As we go into pick 10, whoa, some more blue cards. There's still the Angel of Sanctions as well in this pack. Malevolent Hermit's a really whoa. good two drop that can kind of serve a multiple role, being aggressive and also being a counter spell. Multiple choice seems pretty good. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. Where, what are you feeling, Anna? Oh man, how how much mana does that angel cost? Three and two white? Five, it's not too bad. It's not too bad. We have such a big curve. Well, a, we can take it for now. And wow, we tabled one of my favorite interactions here. Clone <gasps> Crafter. This is a nonsense card that takes a creature from your opponent's deck it makes a copy into your hand. We've got Thassa, we've got Restoration Angel. That can be something crazy, and it's on two, which I love yeah, a lot. It seems like blue and white are very open. It so does, we and we got a blue-white land here in pick 12 in the Irrigated Farmland. Oh, let's grab it. Let us indeed. So we're kind of wrapping up here in pack one as we tabled the Selfless Savior 2. No complaints there. Don't know if we'll play it as we're starting to get a little more value-based than uh, actually aggressive, but there is a monotive. We couldn't get someone real good with that someday. Oh, it does. let's do it. I'm all oh. for the mana tie. That's like one of my favorite cards. I that That's in my uh, unicorn deck as well. I love counting, like turn 10 mana tie. They never see it coming. It feels real good. Real, real good. Real good. Oh, is that and a Torrential Gearhulk? That it is, as we go into pick one of pack two. It's the five, six flashes for four blue, blue. And then you get to cast an instant sorcery card from, or sorry, an instant from your graveyard without paying its mana cost. And then it would exile. Yeah, it's a good card, but at the moment, we actually have only one instant uh, in our monotive that we have. Alternatively- So it wouldn't be that great. Well, we can still take it and imagine, we can imagine a world where we're gonna find a, at least a handful of instants. And having a Thassa plus a Restoration Angel can provide some really good equity. Besides What's that, we do have- one blue drop? That is the a- middle. The Siren Storm Tamer, a card we can easily table, I think. The 1-1 one, one Flyer, and then it can sack and protect one of our creatures. There's a Redane, which I like, but I kind of like your call the the Gearhulk. It just has a lot of upside and a really good ceiling for us to find some good power. Yeah, I like that. As we go, yeah, as we go to pick two of pack two, there is an elite mm -hmm. spellbinder. Nice. Whoa, settle the wreckage. There is a settle the wreckage. These cards are so spicy. <laughs> welcome to cube. <laughs> I do like the settle the wreckage as it does work well with the trench of gear hulk. Maybe we can table this Weegitize command. That could be kind of cool, but we don't need it. I think it's like yeah, just we don't need it. I don't think anyone else is going to pick that one, because who else is doing blue and white right now? 
I don't think many people. I think we're in a pretty good place as we go to pick three of pack two. Wow. Lots there's of a, lands. There, there's a lot of lands. There's a lot of lands that would bring us into mm -hmm. Jeskai. Two Boros lands and an Izzet land. There is a venerated Luxodon, which does some really good stuff. It convokes, it's a 4-4, four, four, puts a bunch of counters onto creatures that helps mm -hmm. convoke it. There is also a Geist Wave, but I've been pretty unimpressed with what this card can do. I think that's where I'm at right now. Anna, what do you think? I think the um, the white creature that puts counters on things. Yeah, I, I like that choice too. It With the History of Benalia, a couple creatures that I think can really leverage early into a nice turn three or turn four Venerated Luxodon could be some really good uh, gas for us here. As we go to pick four, uh, I really want to start to shore up our two drop slot. I think we're a little bit weak on that. We're okay on removal. Yeah. So a oh, card like Shalai, Dean of Radens, could be pretty good. The one one flying vigilant for one to white. You can tap it and put a plus one plus one counter on each creature you control that enter the battlefield this turn. It's a black card on the other side, but that's not very relevant to what we're gonna do. There's also a Mindstone, the two colorless monorock that can ramp us and then crack it to draw a card. I'm kind of on one of those two cards, but there is also a Pact Negation, which can counterspell and get someone real good, and is nice with that Trenchant Gear Hole. Three pretty solid cards I can see going anywhere. Ooh, let's get the Pact. <laughs> You're in a spicy mood, Anna. I like it. Let's go to pick five <laughs> as we see... Oh, okay. So there's a Welcoming Vampire in this pack, the 2-3 Flyer for two and a white. Whenever one or more creatures with power two or less enter the battlefield under control, you draw a card. Trigger once per turn. Our draw is so good and limited. I can't argue with that. And, you know, besides that, there's a Mind Flayer, but there's enough removal that the Mind Flayer just kind of acts as a, a tempo sink for five mana, which I prefer not to do with our five mana cards, which we already have yeah. quite a number of. Now, this is an interesting one here in pick six of pack two. We've got a Fateful Absence, the destroyed creature oh, Planeswalker for one and a white. It is. There's also the classic Mana War. And as a battlefield, return a creature, very good with Thassa, very good with Restoration Angel. We could also take Temple of Enlightenment. I'm kind of leaning towards the Jellyfish right now, just for what it can do tempo-wise and combo well with some of our cards. Yeah, I agree. Let's go to yeah. pick seven. Uh, we see Starnheim Unleash, pretty solid card that can make a bunch of angels. We've got an Into the Royal, which is some good interaction. One and a blue instant turn something, you can kick it to draw a card. There is Leer, Disciple of the Drowned, but we're pretty light on our instant and sorcery count. I kind of want to lean towards interaction and Into the Royal or Starnheim Unleash. Let's, um, let's get the instant. Yeah, let's get that Into the Royal. I would tend to agree. Pick eight, Ooh. two cards are standing out here. One is a 4-4 Flying Sphinx for two and a blue that does a bunch of scrying. And also chart a course. Draw two, and then if you discard a card, unless you've attacked this turn, kind of want a little more card draw and cheaper spells at the moment. Yeah, me too. I like that. As we go draw to pick nine. Yes, agree. We did table that Siren Storm Tamer, and at the moment, it really is the only card that's looking like a possibility for us. Sad that Beef of Sanity, which is a very crazy card in this cube, is in this pack, but we can't play it. Probably not end up actually playing the Siren Storm Tamer, but we've got it in the board for something. And we're now going to go to something I call Garbage Time, as we're going to probably table not much uh, else no. here. 
And that's all right. We have plenty of playables at the moment, 21. And we're picking up a few Jeskai lands here. Maybe we can splash something red, having just taken a cliff top retreat into a storm-carved coast and get this nonsense land too, Forsaken Crossroads. One of the alchemy lands that can name a color and we get to have that color. And we're gonna go into pack three here, relatively flush with some lands. Oh, we picked up a Sun Petal Grove. Now we have two green-white lands. We can potentially yeah. splash right now and get a little bit more controly and value engine-y, depending on what big explosive cards we might be able to open. We did actually end up getting an Inscription of Abundance in the last pick of that pack. Could go well with the colors that we just picked up, but let's go oh. to- Teferi's Protection. Oh my God, yes, 100%. Which is interesting because <laughs> I, I actually find that card to be a lot less powerful in this format than say Commander. True, but, we're not playing Commander, but oh man. I, I hear what you're saying. I, I definitely tried it once in Strixhaven and it, it just it just didn't do quite a bit. But I don't want to completely negate the pick as this is relatively weak for us. There is a suspicious stowaway, which does let, it's an early drop that can draw us cards and loot. Oh, I'm kind of feeling, can't yeah. be blocked. And I, I bet, yeah. I, I bet just because of how I've seen this cube develop, we might be able to table that Teferi's Protection. Let's see what happens. What do you say? I would love that. <laughs> Maybe we can make your wish your command as we go to pick two of pack three. Not too much in the rare mythic slot here. There is a couple kind of off-color lands that if we find some splashing could work well, but there is an ambitious farmhand. The Midnight Hunt Uncommon. When it enters the mm, battlefield, you get a planes. It's just nice. It also has an enter the battlefield effect. Again, working well with that Restoration Angel and the Thassa. And yeah, it has co um, that coven thing. So right. it can transform to something with lifelink. I think I like that. And you know, I think you make a fair point. It's not outside the realm for us to transform it. A 3-3 lifelinker, maybe not as strong in Arena Cube, but I think that you're onto something definitely with having that control element and getting that land and enter the battlefield effect as we go to pick three and oh boy we see ourselves with the Elif Morn and Athos's Oracle wow right next to each other well that's cube for you right there so Thassa's Oracle of course the win con uh the classic commander win con and comparatively Elish Norn of course one of the most famous praetors I kind of want to lean towards Elshnor and get more controly. Yeah, 100%. That's is nice, but we're not really there's there's a there's a deck that exists in this cube where we can fast as Oracle. We're just not yeah, there, but right there. I love the Elshnorn, absolutely. Let's take some Elshnorn, shall we? As we go to pick four, uh, seeing this pack, the there's nothing really in the way of lands. A couple triumphs that don't really fit us well. There is a charming prince which does have that flicker effect. Ooh, it has the enter the battlefield. Yes, and it's a two drop. That's perfect. We should grab that one. I see no reason to argue with you there. As we go to pick five of pack three, another enter the battlefield effect that can be sneaky good in Illyrios Enraptured. It's a two three for two and a blue. And then when it enters the battlefield, you make a reflection token. And then it Ooh. doesn't untap as long as you have the reflection token. There is also Tezzeret Artifice Master master it's just a good blue planeswalker i could see either where, where are you feeling 
Ooh, well, the Tesseret will make tokens and draw us cards, so that's kind of hard to argue with. Um, but the other one is a little bit lower in mana, so that's a little tricky. I don't know. I say let's go a little bit lower to the curve. There was a okay. good heuristic I heard once that said, when you have to choose between two cards, always take the cheaper one. Except if it's a mole drifter. And then you got a card that costs three and a card that costs five. What else could you want? And yes, this is a post-recording edit. Enjoy, friends. Wow. Have you this ever had a chance good. to play with mole, mole drifter before in cube? Not in cube, no. Hmm. It's just everything you want to do. And Wonderful. it's... Yeah, it's going to be good. I'm excited for that. Let's go to pick seven. Uh, we're not seeing too much in the way of white cards. There's Memory Deluge, the solid instant speed card draw effect. There's a Lay Claim. There's also an Ornithopter of Paradise for a little bit of fixing and a little bit of ramp. It's also nice and low to the curve. I kind of want to lean towards the Ornithopter right now myself. Yeah, let's do it. We don't have much fixing. Yep. And we're going to cement some fixing as we go into our next pack here. As I think, unfortunately, we're having some internet difficulties. Borok, can you shake the antenna? <laughs> just, just, just wiggle it a bit. I, I don't know. Fly casually. Like, while you're messing with the antenna, I need another one of that elderberry wine drinks. I think you heard the lady, Borok, get her. Another Eldrazi Elderberry wine, please. Yes, Eldrazi Elderberry, yes. One of those, please. We do love our alliteration as we are back here. Wield we... that to fairy. It was meant to be. It was meant to be in our pack indeed. As we're gonna go to garbage time with not a lot speaking of here, but we certainly do have ourselves at least something of a deck. We have some solid interaction. We've got some good card draw. We've got some pretty big top end, but hey, it's time for us to figure out exactly what this deck is gonna be. So go ahead, my lucky lounge rats, refresh your drinks, and we'll be back in just a second after we put together this blue-white draft deck here in Friday Night Podcast. Welcome back, all of my unlucky lounge rats. I hope you've refreshed, refueled, and good to see that you've returned as we're breaking down this white, blue, enter the battlefield blink deck that we drafted here in best of one arena cube with our special guest, Anna. I, I have to say, now that the deck is kind of laid out, I think we're kind of doing some really good stuff with our deck's theme. I mean, how do you feel right now about where we ended up with what our deck's doing? I'm feeling really good. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't disagree with that, especially getting that nice early Thassa plus the Restoration Angel that you mentioned. It just does so much good work between having our Clone Crafter, the Charming Priss, and Ambitious Farmhand, Man of War, Vazu's Lieutenant, the Enter the Battlefield effects go on and on. Mold Drifter, the classic Bop, the Torrential Gear Hulk that you mentioned. I'm pretty happy with some of the deck synergies that we have here. Is there anything else in this deck that you're looking forward to doing? Uh, yeah, I would love to manatize someone out of nowhere. Mm. That'd be really funny. And I'm just looking forward to seeing Elish Norn eventually hit the battlefield. She is the top of our curve and she is gonna do some nasty work. And if we get nasty. 
the meme value of manatithing something big, that would feel quite nice. And the good news is, even if it becomes irrelevant, we do have our suspicious stowaway that we picked up late that we can discard it off and try to find a better card. So we've got some built-in synergy. Unfortunately, I just, as much as we love the meme value of the manatide, I don't think that the meme value of the Teferi's Protection is gonna quite work out for us this time. If it if it blinked them, I'd be down. Unfortunately, it phases them, so it doesn't quite get there. That's understandable. If it that would have been really funny if it did blink stuff. You know, it's my it has my whole heart and soul in Commander, but I can understand why in something like limited it wouldn't be as powerful. Astute observation. I really wish that this card was replaced by from Strixhaven semester's end because it would do counters it would do the entry of the battlefield stuff and it costs a little bit more but has i think a little bit more impact on the cube but maybe that's for the next time it comes back around the final cards that we ended up cutting selfless savior the one one puppo that can sack give indestructible better for an aggro deck which we didn't quite end up in the cather commando history banalia same reasoning for it the siren storm tamer while the protection's nice I think our value from the cards with the end of the battlefield strategy is just really doing some good work for us. And I think the card that we actually had a hard time talking through and kind of figuring out where we wanted to settle with it was that Memory Deluge, the two blue, blue instant speed spell that can get us two cards, both on the first time around and the flashback. And we had a bit of a debate around whether we should play this card. And, you know, in the end, I think the value that we're getting off of our enter the battlefield cards like clone crafter and mold drifter just do us a little bit better with what our deck strategy is trying to accomplish don't you think i agree i was very on the fence about it but i think it's it doesn't have a home in our deck and as a side note my unlucky lounge rats that card was actually auto picked for us during the internet shortage of the episode well it will happily take a rest in the sideboard as we are going to jump in to the best of one queue here and see just maybe if we can make this deck work. And we've got some pretty strong counterspell meme value, not just in the monotide, but the Pact of Negation as well. Could do some good stuff for us. So let's see what our opening hand looks like. And, you know, wow. speaking of Pact of Negation, it's here alongside the Elish Norn, but we also have some solid early game in our ambitious farmhand that's going to combo nicely with the Restoration Angel. What a solid seven for us to start with here. Wow, that is pretty hype, not gonna lie. If we could draw some kind of three drop, well, a Mold Drifter is kind of a three drop, but I don't know if we quite <laughs> want to do that. We'll, we'll see what happens here once we get our planes on turn two after our opponent started with a Swamp and Maybe we do end up drawing two cards and just continuing to develop towards Elish Norn, but let's see what our opponent's next play might be. Well, they dif disfigure our ambitious farmhand. Okay, well, we kind of already got the card value off of it, so I don't much mind losing that too much. As they play an island into a treasure map, what a fickle card this treasure map is. Uh, it's the two colorless artifact that can tap scry one, then you get landmark counters when there's three, transform it, make three treasures, and it draws a bunch of cards and makes a mana. We drew another land, which means now we can mold drifter or nothing really in this turn. I kind of do want to draw the cards though. It Let's will keep it. us on seven and it'll continue to help us find 
the resources that we need to push through and get us closer to Elshnorn as we go Charming Prince into Cathar's Crusade for our draw. Not too bad. Not too bad. Not too bad indeed. And we draw our Mana War. Not bad either. We have nothing to bounce of theirs, but we do have the Restoration Angel to play it in a turn. But we could also just roll out this Charming Prince and scry two. And eventually we'll get some value, I think, off of that. And just establishing some board and something to do with that uh, Cather's Crusade, I think, is pretty important here. I agree. I think we definitely need to scry here so we can start getting more lands. And we find two strong ones. We find an island and Torrential Gear Hulk, which can do some good work with the Pact and Negation that we also have in our hand. Some nice protection coming out of our deck here. Yeah, I like it. Well, right now our opponent is going pretty strong in the blue-black camp here as they followed their turn three with a shipwreck, marsh, and pass. As they're now activating their treasure map, getting a little bit closer to them, finding their bounteous treasures, and getting to draw a lot of cards and fix their mana as they're going to go and play another Swamp and then play Solemn Simulacrum. Boy, in words of cards to say on a podcast that are difficult, that <laughs> I think is up there. Yeah, that's a tongue twister for sure. They find a Plains off of their Solemn as we draw uh, the land that we saw off the scry from Charming Prince. And I think now is a good time as any for us to roll out this Catherine's Crusade, get it on the battlefield. They're blue... Black with a little splash of white and it's mana efficient, so maybe we can get something good out of potentially a pretty solid control deck that our opponent is presenting right now. As they go into their turn five, probably going on to six lands, they attack with their Solemn, which we will gladly take. Want to keep our creatures on the board to start to grow with that Cather's Crusade. Sadly, the Mana War is hilariously ill-placed against our, uh, our say, blink, uh, our bounce effect with Mana War, but now a good time as any as they pass with five mana open for us to, I think, attack for two and then pass the turn. I think there's, uh, I think, a, a fair line for us right now just to stay controlling. We still have a Pact of Negation and a Torrential Gear Hulk as well to back it up. We're one mana away as well from Elish Norn, which is not to be forgotten. I'm really excited about that. Honestly, it's um, a little clouding my vision a little bit because <laughs> it's all I want to do. <laughs> but then I'm just like, oh, it is all these. We actually have to play a game and not just focus on one card. <laughs> Don't I get me wrong. She's so great. She's a gorgeous Praetor. I mean, the white red. Amazing. Yeah. It reminds me of the Battle well, of, of Crate from Star Wars, The Last Jedi. Uh, are, you, are you a Star Wars fan? I'm not a Star Wars hater. But I am more of a Star Trek-y. Oh, I love Star Trek too. Uh, I'm, I'm with you on that one. Well, <laughs> I, I don't know if you if you heard uh, Lady Lavinius and I debate on Star Trek during the podcast a little bit, but we, we were arguing our favorite Treks. I, I, I have to say, I love Lower Decks. Have you seen Star Trek Lower Decks yet? Yes. Thank goodness. I'm happy to hear that. And they also just announced that it got renewed through to season four and a summer release for this season. Yeah, I'm very excited. It's just so hilarious. And it's it's really good. I'm like really surprised that it's gotten some hate because it's, it's not, it doesn't deserve any hate that it's getting. It's hilarious. And it's like a little different than like the very serious shows because it shows a whole other side of 
what you normally don't get to see is like everyone else that lives on the cruise ship. So, mm. it's so really true. great. Well, quick status update for all of my unlucky loungers out there. A lot has happened in the last few seconds. So our opponent at the end of the turn put a counter onto treasure map and then cycled a shark typhoon to make their sixth land drop. Then attacked with two two twos as we flashed in our restoration angel to potentially blow them out. But unfortunately they did have a counter spell uh, to prevent this, but it will leave them with their shields down going into the next turn. While they get us to 14, they go to 18 as now we have a pretty clear route here to potentially start to take over the game a little bit. We can go Suspicious Stowaway into Mana War, bouncing the token, growing our creatures to pretty big proportions, and then still have Pact Negation open for any big challenges that might come our way here. So as much as that Counterspell was bad for us, I think we're going to be in a pretty decent place here as we are about to double spell slash kind of triple spell. We go and play our creatures out here, and we get to get rid of that shark token. And we're also going to crack in for four. Not too bad. I think even Ensign Beckett Mariner, with her mild enthusiasm for everything in life, would be very appreciative of that line. Aww. Well, also in the previous turn, I did not mention, they also had a Cold Steel Heart that they named uh, an additional white off of, which does mean we need to start to kind of Pay attention to potential Wraths with them now having double white, as they are now going to add their final counter to the treasure map, produce three treasure tokens, and go to their turn. We're both at 14, they've got five cards in hand, we've got three. But if they decide to go for something and we're able to counterspell it, or potentially Elish Norn, that is a way for us to really seal this game up one way or another. Yeah, I really hope they don't have a Wrath. If they have a Wrath, we have a Pact Negation. But the question is, do they have another counter spell? They now play the land for turn, bring them to four cards in hand. They do have Swift Response for the Charming Prince. So it'll destroy it. I'm, it's not my favorite, but I also think that that shows us that they don't have a Wrath, which is pretty good news. I agree. They're going to attack with their Solemn, which feels like a loose attack as they are about to do the time war, I see. This is kind of critical here. If we had that monetized, we would have blown them out. Well, we wouldn't, they have, they have three charges still. The question is, do we want this time warp to resolve? I think we need to. I don't think we can pact right now. If we do, we get to get in there for six, but we lose our turn and next turn they untap. They'll get to draw an additional card off the treasure cove, but I don't necessarily think that's the worst. This isn't the worst time warp I've ever seen. Okay. I think that I trust I, I trust your decision. I appreciate it. Even I am trying to convince myself because I am not sure. But we're going to <laughs> we're, we're going to let them take another turn here with that time warp. The the worst thing would be is if they had say a way to recur said time warp as they now play Elspeth conquers death which is a way for them to answer our Cather's Crusade. They would be able to eventually, well, they won't be able to get back anything actually off of the Elspeth Conqueror's deck on chapter three right now, except for maybe the Solemn. We could let this resolve and we'd lose our Cather's Crusade. We'd still have Torrential Gear Hulk though, to be able to do something with in the next turn. Yeah, I'd say we just let them do it. All right. We're gonna 
take a chance here as they are going to exile the Cather's Crusade. It still leaves us though with two 3-3s, one of which is unblockable. We might just want to be a little conscious as, ooh, now they're going to Murdus Rider. Suspicious stowaway. It will get rid of that unblockable creature. But again, I don't think now is time to pact. I think we still have better cards in our hand with Elish Norn and Trenchant Gearhulk. I'd rather they resolve and then us do the thing. Yeah, I agree. It's definitely tricky, and I, I'm not even sure about my line. But uh, we draw for turn, and we draw Illyrios and Rapture, one of the number of blink targets that can do us well. We could attack into the Solemn. They trade, they draw a card, but then they get online with Elspeth Conqueror's Death a little bit sooner. I'm willing to just pass here. And honestly, we just have creatures, or we could just run out the Illyrios. It's a bit of a tricky line right now to take. Like, can we fully blink out this Elspeth Conqueror's Death? I'm afraid we might not be able to, and we just have to start optimizing our plays. How are yeah. you feeling right now, Anna? Oh man, um, I don't know. I, the greedy part of me wants to start playing Tyrannosaurus Gear Hope, but I, I don't think now is the time. I think that's fair, and I'd rather. I guess we can just run out the Illyrios and maybe not attack. If we draw a mana for Elish Norn, having three creatures getting that plus two plus two and wiping their board, I think would be quite good. I agree. If we can stop this chapter three of Elish Nor uh, Elspeth Conquer's death, then we might be in a nice value position, but we're gonna have a hard time racing their transformed treasure cove. Right now, my hope is really just to get this Elish Norn to stick and then us to start to have a, a pungent board to combat the value engine that our opponent has slowly yet surely built with that treasure map as they are gonna go. They've got three cards in hand plus the Murder Rider on Adventure as they play one of their lands. It is a tight rope of proportions that we're walking here as they play Lolith, Spider Queen. Well, oh, that card no. is quite good. And I think, well, now's probably a good time as any for us to pack negation that. We do have to yeah. end up paying actually two mana for it because of the Elspeth Conqueror's death, but we can afford it because we only played one thing last turn. Our opponent's going to go and probably try to dig, looking for a counterspell, and they don't find it. Well, at least we avoided that pitfall of a potential tragedy in this game, as they're now going to play out their Murderous Rider. My guess is they'll attack with their Solemn here, but then, oh, I forgot. Elspeth Conqueror's Death is just going to be able to bring back Lulith. That's unfortunate. Oh no, I didn't realize that. Yes, I kind of forgot that too, but unfortunately, I don't know if there's much we could do against it, but we still have a draw of Elish Norn as we are forced to pay for the Pact Negation as they're going to bring back their Planeswalker here, and they're going to start to do some pretty good work. But if we've done our job right and we've avoided them drawing a Counterspell, if we can draw our seventh land, Elish Norn can potentially take over this game for us. They start to smack in with their Solemn, we're going to choose, I think, not to block this, considering, again, we're looking for that land for the Elish Norn being an out for us. And we found it. Unfortunately, yes. now, uh, they've got two cards in hand. I think we got to cross our fingers here and hope that we don't see any counterspell. Oh, no. Uh, unfortunately, a pause in the gameplay as we put the Elish Norn on the stack does not bode well for us 
as we hold our breath to see what will happen with our Praetor on the stack, they'll at least have a chance to draw an additional card off of their treasure cove with the final treasure they have on their battlefield. But if we're okay. just lucky enough, we might be able to get away with this. Oh, they're thinking so hard. They have no idea what to do. The good news is, if they had a counterspell, they would have just snapped it off right away. Yeah. So they have to now, they must be debating on what their line is going to be. Maybe they're, they have their own Torrential Cure Hulk. That would have, that would be very bad. <laughs> they get a 5-6 and they get to counter and draw a card with the Dismiss they played earlier. They play Sphinx's Rev. That's oh, interesting. They're searching for answers. They're digging for the counter. But man, they got to draw four cards and they still have five mana open. <sighs> That's a lot we have to try to avoid here. Maybe they're going to try and draw one more card off their Treasure Cove. In fact, they are. Fingers oh crossed. Oh my god. Oh, she did oh, it. Oh, it's the field, yes! <laughs> they get to draw a card off the Solemn here, but if they have no interaction, we do also, with our two five fives, get to attack into Lalith and kill their Planeswalker. Let's Whoa. see if they have any other interaction here. That was so beautiful, though. We got to see Elishnor in the field in game one. She was, in fact, glorious in this best of one matchup. And she got the Planeswalker off the battlefield, too. Torrential Gear Hulk into the Royal is our hand right now, as they have a full grip of seven. Certainly, the game is far from over, as they've got so much more mana on top of us, plus a grip full of probably highly interactable cards. But if we can untap, the Torrential Gear Hulk can protect us and potentially help us seal up this game. They're at 16, we're at 10, and they play the Meat Hook Massacre. Yeah, that, that about oh, tracks for me. no! <laughs> yeah, that, that seems oddly truthful to me. They did draw like a bunch of cards. Oh. To be fair, does not surprise me as they now play their own Clone Crafter. I wonder what they'll get out of our deck there as we draw a Plains. And we are going to go to continuously passing this game through. That's that. That's the break sometimes. They can only have 10 cards in the library. We have 20. They're at a full 20. We're at nine. As they foretell a card, more likely than not, we're looking at either the Angel Maker or potentially Alrun's Epiphany. Starnheim Unleash, of course, being that Angel Maker, as they play Baral, Chief of Compliance. And they play the Skyclave Cleric, which is the creature they got off of us. Well, you can think of way worse cards for us to, to give them from our deck. They yeah. right now look like they are just playing out a lot of stuff. Just like a bunch of stuff. Thankfully, they didn't have any big strikes or paymakers to wheel out here. As they attack us for one, it's going to bring us down to eight. We still have Torrential Gear Hulk and Into the Royal, but I really just want to save this Gear Hulk for something big and good. We've got eight mana as we just drew into All Ruined, uh, which has, of course, Haka, the Whispering Raven, on the other side. I think I'm happy to play out this Haka and keep open our Torrential Gear Hulk right now, as opposed to just playing the All Ruined and trying to get some value off of it. How do you feel about that, Honor? I I like where your train of thought is going. We're going to need quite a bit for us to try and keep up with the Joneses, as it were. But we do have ourselves a 2-3 blocker, which holds off all of their creatures at the moment. 
as we are going to pass through. They're going to crack their clue, going down to now nine, eight cards. If this game comes down to decking, that might be a thing. Yeah, they might just mill out and we win. Can we survive that long? I mean, that's the eternal question here. As they play a Scholar of the Lost Trove. Oh boy. That's going to allow them to time warp again here. So, unfortunately, I think we're kind of in an emergent situation here. We're going to have to probably use this Trencher Gear Hulk. They might actually just have Sought coming foretold to counterspell it. No, they have a commit, which is equally as bad because they'll be able to shuffle their graveyard back into their library and continue oh. with what's going on here. This does not look particularly great for what's going on no. as they're now just all their lands out and they'll be able to do a memory, draw a bunch of cards. Not looking good for the home team, not gonna lie, Anna. Wow, I'm just, I'm so surprised. They they drafted like a better blue-white deck with a splash of black. Like, there's not much you could do. Oh, and they played that one Entreat the Angels card. That they did, the Starnheim Unleash. Give them now just the right amount of flying damage and just for the final rub-in, they take control of our Haka. Sadly, <laughs> sadly, wow. they got there with the final pieces, wow. but we don't get to take home a win here in this episode of Friday Night Podcast, but I have to say, regardless, it was an absolute delight to draft and play this deck with you here, Anna. I, I had a great time, and you know, I, I know that my listeners would also have a great time checking out some of your socials. Tell them where they can find you out there in the internet sphere. Of course, so my main thing, of course, is streaming. So I stream Sundays and Thursdays every week. Um, and maybe in the future I'll be adding even more days, but for now it's just Sunday and Thursday. I stream Commander, EDH with all my fun new friends that I've been meeting on Twitter. Um, and Speaking of Twitter, my uh, Twitter handle is AnnaNT1992, and that's just where you can find me all over the internet. I use the same username, so it's just easier to find me. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. I tried it. TikTok is a little harder to keep up with, but I do try to make fun videos of like Commander game highlights. Um, those are always fun to rewatch. Um, but yeah, my main thing is streaming over on Twitch, which again is AnnaNT1992. Well, you heard her friends. Find her out there in the social spheres and dive into some fun with one of our phenomenal guests. Thank you again so much for joining us, but I can see that Borok has just found an extra vintage of that Eldrazi Elderberry. So I got to have you stick around for another drink. What do you say? Sign me up. I am almost out of my second glass. I'm going to have to stick around for a third one. Once more, a big thank you to Anna MT1992 for joining us and becoming part of the Unlucky Lounge Verse. It was great to converse with you, chat about things from Star Wars to Star versus the Forces of Evil, maybe even a little bit of Star Trek in there too. This whole episode took a couple twists and turns, and in regards to the game, you know, I have no complaints about the deck. 
Granted, it seems like this cube season, your best bet was to play every color, every multicolor land you possibly could and jam the biggest spells, and while it makes for explosive gameplay, somewhat repetitive. But regardless, I did enjoy a 3-3 finish with this deck as the time expired here in this cube season. But coming up soon, the much lauded and talked about double feature is releasing this weekend. And of course, Kamigawa is coming out soon. So keep an ear out for this podcast on all those socials, Draft and Draft Corey on Twitter, Twitch, and TikTok. Find my personal Instagram, Corey Damone Enriquez, all the links to my things, including Anna's as well. Find it in the notes of the show below. Well, friends, it looks like I've found the bottom of my drink, and so we've reached the end of another episode. My name is Corey, joined alongside Borok. And don't forget about me, Turtle. And Mr. Turtle, too. And thanks for joining us for Draft and Draft. Now go and make some magical memories of your own. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.